The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. Take your Bibles, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Now, Luke chapter 16, I think the last time I dealt with was 1997 or so. Um, take your Bibles to Ephesians, if you would. In the book of Ephesians. Well, you don't have to do that. I can read it. 529. It's a principle I'm going to talk about tonight. Uh, 529 says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord of the church. Now, when God says something, you can just take it to the bank. Uh, God says in 529, For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord of the church. And so uh, we take care of things that are our own, typically, by the rule. We typically will take care of ourselves. And, and uh, I want to talk to you about uh, the principle here of management. Are you a good manager? And how to be, in a, in a way, how to become a good manager. Now, every one of you are in some form or fashion a manager. Uh, you women that stay at home and don't have a, a secular job are to manage your home. Uh, uh, now, you have a supervisor over the top of you, of course. But uh, you, you manage your home. You are responsible for buy the groceries, make sure there's food, make sure the house is kept impeccable. To have a hot meal waiting when your husband gets home, to have the house all cleaned up, laundry all done, dishes all done, baby all fed, squared away, and meet him at the door looking like a million bucks. That's probably some of the best marriage advice you ever got. And... Um, He's out there slugging it out with the world in a hostile environment. It's anti-everything. And he's out there slugging it out. And nothing better makes a guy feel good and come home and have his wife all, all spiffed up. Just thought I'd mention that. But anyway, uh, let's, let's read these 13 verses. Just, uh, I'll try not to take too long. I, I just have a major, few major things I want to talk to you about. Jesus said this. By the way, this parable is taken a few different ways. One of, the, one of the things in key in interpreting a parable is understanding it's really got one major theme. Uh, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly truth. Jesus is trying to convey, most of the time, one central truth. Now, I think you make a mistake on a parable if you dissect it too far and make everything mean something and stand for something and and it can get wild. But Jesus was talking to a general group of people. He was, in fact, he, he wouldn't talk but in parables to the general group. 
he would explain to his disciples these things in detail, but he would not really do that to a general. So he's trying to teach a general truth. By the way, he's not doing expository preaching. The greatest preacher of all time did not really <laughs> do verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. He had 39 books he could have done that with, but he did not do that. He told stories, and he explained things, and he illustrated things, and told principle. He was really a principle preacher. And so we see here in this 13 verses, up to 14, and he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, that's a manager. And the, the same was accused uh, unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him, and he said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship and management, for thou mayest be no longer be a steward. I believe every one of us someday is going to be called before Jesus Christ, and we're going to give account of our stewardship of our lives. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. I've said this myself. I cannot dig, and to beg I'm ashamed. <laughs> I've said that. I've said that, you know. I cannot dig, and to beg I'm ashamed. So I use this. I memorize that part of this, especially after about 45. And I'm resolved what to do, that when I put out of the stewardship, that they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, I owe a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take thou, take the bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Whoa! 50% discount. Blue light special. Then he said to another, How much owest thou? And he said, And hundred measures of wheat. He said, Right, take that bill and write uh, eighty or twenty percent discount. And the Lord commended the unjust steward. Now, don't get the idea that he commended the unjust part of the being steward. He did not. But he commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. He had done shrewdly. In other words, he used his head in, in this area to try to help his position, his, his situation. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of of light. And, he's, and I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the manum, mammon, the money, goods, of, in, of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, that, ye may re, that they may receive you into everlasting habitations. And we're not talking about, obviously, ultimately about this world. Use this world's mammon for everlasting habitations. That he that is faithful... And that which is least, and that's this stuff here, is also faithful in much, and he is unjust in the least, this stuff here, is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, this stuff, who will commit to your trust the true riches, everlasting habitations? <laughs> Don't expect to go to God and have big reward if you can't take care of the stuff that he's given you to manage here. We can go home. Let's have benediction. We'll leave. And, and nobody said amen. Okay, we'll keep going. That was your chance. If therefore you have not been faithful. Wow. Verse 11. And, and if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? 
No servant can serve two masters, for either one hate one and love the other, or he'll hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. By the way, in verse 14, the Bible says the Pharisees derided him. Why? They were covetous. They got the picture. They got the picture of what he was saying about being faithful in the things of God. There was management among God's people, verses 1 through 8 there. Jesus ministered in open public in parables, specifically the disciples. I find that in Luke chapter 8, verse 10, where he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but the others in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. You get to know the word of God. You get to understand the word of God. God opens your understanding so you can understand it or you don't get it. You walk out scratching your head and still in the dark. God is the one that looks on the heart on that. Uh, it is important uh, to Jesus that his disciples were successful in fulfilling their mission, which was to come, which was soon to be given to them. He was to ascend back into heaven, and he was going to. He told them, as you've heard so many times from the pulpit here, go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature, go baptize and. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. He heard that. That's our that's our rally cry. That's our prime directive is to get the word of God out there, because nobody's going to get saved without hearing the gospel. They have to hear the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you must tell people that Jesus died for them, that their sinners and lost and undone cannot save themselves, and the only way is through him. And one way or another. You give the gospel. That is what we're here to do. Not when people get saved, we're here to edify them. We have a lot of other sub-purposes in the local church. Missionaries send them out of the world, but it's all about getting the gospel. This brother in Dublin, Ireland, I can't go to Dublin, Ireland. I don't speak Irish. <clears throat> but I did marry one. And I, I have sympathy about Irish, I can tell you that right now. I married an Irish girl, and what a fine woman she is. I mean, Irish, if Irish women are represented in any measure by my wife, that is one fine group of folks. Because my wife has been such a wonderful and faithful companion to me, and it has not been an easy ride. Imagine this morning, imagine this evening, uh, that Jesus is talking to you. He takes you to the side, away from the crowd, personally sits down with you, and teaches you some of these truths, these imperative truths. Uh, you would not want to discount his opinion, amen? You would not want to discount his words as, well, maybe they're true. You would not want to discount account uh, in any way that you would want to uh, treat this as this is absolute truth from the creator of all that is, and I want to get it, and that's the way I approach the Bible. These truths contained in here are absolutely true in any culture, in any clan, in any tribe, and in any people. And let's go a few truths here. Number one, like it or not, we have been made managers, and we have been given positions, and we have been given responsibilities in this world that eventually will be judged on how we're awarded in the next. 
You say, well, all I am, all I do for the church is take care of the nursery. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Man, you may say, oh, preacher, all I am is a trustee at gospel. All I do is have authority and responsibility for the grounds of gospel Baptist. Are you kidding me? What a responsibility. What a thrill. I get, I get people regularly come in here and tell me that this place looks so good and it's the best it's ever looked. And, and, and you know, man, brother, first impressions are big. What was your first impression? Don't tell me. First impression when you come in. Amen. Dr. Heller, when he comes in here, he'll say, there's a little grass growing in between the pavers. I want you to get take care of that. Yes, sir. He said, oh, Dr. Heller's big on when people drive in here. There's not mold on the building. There's not, there's not, something doesn't need to be painted. There's not grass growing in the pavers, that the bushes are trimmed, that everything's proper. Why? He says, this is a direct reflection on what we think about our God. How important is it? You ladies and what you do, how important the buses, what they do, everything we do together here. There is no small job. And I hope you get that. There's no small job. We're stewards. Biggest thing is, we're all stewards of the plan of salvation. Every one of us has been heard. If you're born again in this room tonight, and you know, then that means you know the truth, the gospel, and you have the keys to the kingdom of God. And you can go and tell that to the people you meet and people that are around by giving gospel and all the other various ways. What a responsibility you have been given. What a responsibility I have been given. And so how dare I not make this as most, make it my own. Remember, no man ever despised his own flesh. If I make this important as myself and I go out there and give the truth, boy. I want to be a good manager of, the, of this has been entrusted to me. We're ministers of the plan of salvation. We're, we're stewards of the plan of salvation. We're managers. We're managers of the book of God. We're managers of the children God gives us. Husbands, you're managers of the wife, your wife. You're managers of your job. Uh, we have been given management. And by the way, God's reputation is on the line. People are not going to see Jesus. They're not going to see the Father. They're only going to see Him through you, through me. And so, if we're honest, I don't. I can't tell you how many times in 17 years I laid floor covering. I was tempted to cheat. I was tempted to steal. I was tempted to cut corners. I can't tell you how many times I was tempted, but I did not. I don't remember one thing I ever stole. I don't remember one time I cut corners and cheated somebody with what they shouldn't have got. I'd take pad out there. It was supposed to be a half inch. Brother, you got a half inch. Even though my employer would tell me, and it did in the past, told me, tell them it's, tell them it's half inch. But I said, it's only three-eighths. Oh, I said, it won't make any difference. I said, I will not lie for you. You can fire me right here, but I will not lie for you. By the way, that guy got fired, and I kept my job. Because there's a God. Bible said in Colossians 3.17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the, 
to God and the uh, God and the Father by Him. Colossians chapter three verse twenty three says, "Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not as unto man." Brother, if you're doing dishes at gospel, do it as unto the Lord. If you're taking the trash out, in fact, one of the recommendations of 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 uh, Timothy, no, not Timothy, Thomas. I wonder if I put Timothy on. I don't think so. I fill the recommendation out on what uh, Thomas has done during the summer. By the way, I like that program of accountability. Uh, Pensacola had me. I'm a, and they don't know what, you don't know what I said, too, because I emailed that directly to those folks. And I said, he took the trash out for Jesus. And I said, this is a pre-qualification to be a pastor. Because, brother, if you're not willing to pick up Lincoln logs and clean out toilets, you ain't fit for the ministry. That's right. There ain't no pastor hadn't cleaned some toilets out, some backed up toilets, and taken the trash out, and locked the buildings up, and swept the floors, and cleaned the sinks. Brother, those are jobs for a child of the king. Because he said, if you're faithful in the least... So if I did a survey here tonight and asked you, what's the least job at gospel? The least important job at gospel, what would you say? Don't, don't mention it because you'll be mentioning somebody's job. Because somebody's got to be doing what you guys would consider the least important job at Gospel Baptist Church. But all I can tell you, it's not least to God. Because if whatever that least job may be, is if you do that with all your heart and your all your soul and all your mind and all your strength as under the Lord, ooh, he that's faithful in at least will be given someday much, much. You're going to stand before Jesus and he said, I gave you this little job, this little job, this considered least job, but you did it with all your heart. You made it your own. It was yours. You did it because it was for me. And now, welcome into the joy of thy Lord. Look at what you have here. And by the way, during the millennial period, you'll be given a responsibility that's not least. Ooh. By the way, we got it. We got it. Let me say this. Before eternity... Every one of the born-again Christians is going to participate in 1,000 real, literal years of ruling and reigning with Christ upon this earth. And you are going to be given a real job with real responsibilities based on how you perform the responsibilities that God gave you here to do. There is, man, if you don't get this, get this about Stuart. There's no little jobs for God. I want to be the guy out there preaching. Do you really? Hey, preacher, do they really? I kicked and screamed not to do this. I told God I'll do anything, but I'll, I don't want to be a preacher. I've seen the way they get treated. I don't want to do this. God said you're going to do it. Okay. I didn't want to do it. Asked my wife. I stalled it off. And then I said, well, but you know what? I just want to do what God wants me to do. 
Jesus teaches the unjust manager uh, was unjust. Yes, he used worldly wisdom, discounting these people to get some favor. And brother, uh, uh, use this old filthy lucre, this mammon that God gives us for the glory of God. Tonight, I just got to invest another $1,000 in the kingdom of God. We had, my wife got a phone call after 35 years of IRA. She got a phone call a while back and says it's worth one half. It was gone. I said to her, we could have invested that in things. You know, we could have invested that in the things of God and never lost it. You can't take God's money, brother. Bunch of thieves up there. Stock market, whoever they're at. Well, we see here in the application part of this passage. First of all, use what you have in this world for the investment in the world to come. In other words, be other world-minded. Be other world-minded. Keep your vid. Boy, it's hard to do this. I know we live here. We're in the great now and now. You know, you feel this, you touch this, you have. And each one of us has. I'm getting older. And I'm starting to get, what am I going to do when I can't do what I'm doing? What a, I don't think I want to live with Troy. I like Troy. I mean, I really do love him. But I just don't think he wants me to be in the home he's in. I, I, and yet the same, you know, so all of us old people think, what are we going to do? Well, you got to have, I, gotta, I need enough money to take care of myself or to do all that. And how much is that? Well, the government says $600,000. The government says if you don't have $600,000 when you retire, you are in a heap of trouble. Guess what I'm in? All I can say, Troy, let's make some money, buddy. <laughs> I think he complimented this guy on his shrewdness. He didn't. Com- he didn't compliment him. God don't. God never compliments. He's not for sin. He's not for cheating. But the man was shrewd. We should be shrewd spiritually. Shrewd. What we do for God, the entire focus of our of the believers should be on the other world. How this life will affect the next life. That should be our concentration. And then don't look at a job as unimportant. I think that's one of the major lessons of this. Don't look at a job as unimportant. The least should be... I've heard people tell me, well, I'm discouraged, preacher. You know, nobody's nobody's told me... Let me say, people are reticent to do this, but it does happen. Preacher, I, nobody said one word to me about, I've done this job for so long, and nobody said one word of, thank you for doing this job. Sandy uh, Dodd comes and cleans this place, and sweeps this place, and mops this place, and dusts this place, and she is all over this, and she has made, no doubt she's doing this for Jesus by the quality of the work she does. Uh, I know, you know, and she's not doing it for the praise of men. But by the way, it don't hurt once in a while to have somebody come by and say, boy, you did a nice job. I try to be aware of that. 
I try to go around to everybody that's doing everything and say, boy, you're doing a good job, doing a good job. Keep it up, good, do a good job. It doesn't hurt us to, to uh, have a random act of kindness once in a while. You know, just force it out of you. You know, husbands, I'll pick on your husbands. It wouldn't hurt you to go home once in a while and say, have I ever told you that you are the simply, you are the greatest? I tell my wife that regularly, constantly. And I want to be, if I'm known for anything, I want to be known for, I, he complimented me too much. Oh boy, I don't hear that much. You know, my husband is just too positive. I don't know if you can get too much of that. I suppose you could if it was fake, but if it's real, if it's real, it's not. Oh, I'll tell you what. It creates a chain reaction, brother. Chain reaction. When you make the job your own, uh, something takes place inside of you, and, and you and, and you make things right and do it right. You do square corners instead of round. And, and you, you take the things of God seriously because this job is, is, is for Jesus. Boy, that's big. I can't tell you enough how important it is to remember that. <clears throat> so we use this world system to help in the world to come. We make this job, by the grace of God, our own. And uh, why? then thirdly, why would God ever entrust to you eternal riches if you cannot handle the little temporal things he's given you? Who is going to give you something if you don't take care? Who's going to give you anything of your own if you can't take care of somebody else's? Who's going who's to? This is somebody else's. All I've been given really is somebody else's. And if you take care of somebody else's, as it's your own, someday God's going to give you some of your own. Ooh, ooh. When he walks up there and says, uh, when an angel, I don't know if he's going to do it personally, but an angel is going to uh, escort me one day to a place uh, uh, that, that, that I'm, I'm going to go like, wow, I hope so. You know, wow. Uh, uh, why are we way out of the city? You know, uh, <laughs> Is that an outhouse out there? No, that's your place. Uh, uh, I hope that don't happen. But I feel to some people that's actually going to be a real scenario. But the angel is going to take you to place because Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go and prepare. What he's going to go prepare a mansion for us, amen? If I go and prepare, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am there may be also. God, all these, let me say this. He made the whole world in six days. He made everything you see in six days. What in the world is going on if he's been out there making stuff for 2,000 years? Woo! He's going to say, here it is. Um, I old chick track does a little thing where a guy's taken up to an old rickety shack, and, and the angel said, this is, this is your place. And he says, well, man, I, I thought this was going to be really phenomenal. And then chick track, he, he says, well, we did the best we could with what you sent ahead. I get it, I get it, I get it. The guy looks, oh, okay, this is it. He says, and if you've not been faithful in that, which is another man's, who will give you of your own? I believe that you make the job God's, 
And you don't worry about people patting you on the back. But, 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 but I say it always feels good to have somebody tell you, I see what you're doing and I appreciate it. Hey, I don't know if you can do too much of that. I think we ought to be a church of over-complimenting. We ought to be a church of over... If you're going to accuse us of anything, man, I went to gospel baptism. I had to leave because I just couldn't stand all the complimenting. So far, I haven't had one person leave gospel over that. I'm, I'm looking for the first one. And when I, when I, when I find them, I'm going to say, you are crazy. And that's not a compliment, so stay. <laughs> No servant can serve two masters. Now, you're a lot of businessmen in this, a lot of businessmen in this room tonight, and I understand. I was a businessman. I was out there working, but you know what? From the day I got right with God, everything I did was for Him. If I'm a veterinarian, it's for Jesus. If I'm a medical doctor, it's for Jesus. If I'm a real estate person, it's for Jesus, not a re- realtor. If I'm a a policeman, I'm for Jesus. If I'm a missionary, I'm for Jesus. If I'm whatever you do, I'm for Jesus. If I'm a small farmer, I'm for Jesus. Uh, if I'm an uh, entrepreneur, uh, a software maker, I'm for Jesus. Uh, if I'm shining buses out there, Brother Brian, I'm for Jesus. Amen. If I'm polishing marble, I'm for Jesus. I'm selling goods from India, I'm for Jesus. If I'm out there building stuff, I'm for Jesus. If I'm saving lives, it's for Jesus. A lot of different things represented in this building. But brother, what he's trying to tell you there is understand that I'm giving you this opportunity to live. God has given us this opportunity to live and to build and to make Now, if you set your affection on things below and you serve them as your God, it's idolatry. If you understand that God's given you these things in an entrustment to, in a way, see what you'll do with them. And if you understand that there's an eternity to face you and you use these this mammon for Him and for His glory, He said, I will remember that you did this for me and when you, you've been entrusted in my goods, so someday I'm going to give you your goods and it's going to be for everlasting. I feel so sorry for people of this world who think this is it and they mass themselves wealth just to leave it. And you know what? It's sure that you came in naked. And it's sure that you're going out naked. It's sure that you came in with nothing. And it's sure that you're going out with nothing. So what is this? It's just a test. It's just a test to see what, what you'll do with what God decides to give you. Now, some people he gives more to, some gives less to. That's his decision making, not mine. And whatever he gives you, use it for him. Use it for him. He doesn't expect you to give it all away and, and not have enough to buy food. That's not prudent. That's not wise. Be wise as a serpent, gentle or innocent as a dove. Father, help us understand some of the wisdom of this passage in Jesus' name.
Amen. Let's stand together. His hand has led through shadows dream and while Yeah.